Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. Well, we're working our way um, through one of the most important books in the Bible, Romans. And we so appreciated what Jeremy shared last week on Romans 12. And, and we wanted to expand on it because as we listened to Jeremy share on how we can't be transformed with, by God without participating in the body of Christ, we sensed that we needed to pull a little bit more into this passage, focusing more on how the spiritual gifts are so essential to us living our faith. And if we don't know our gifts or we're not practicing them, it may be why for some of us Christianity is boring. Because without the gifts, we're not going to find the joy of being used by God, by used by God in the lives of others. Because isn't it easy to just fall into coming to church just to get recharged, to do better in our own lives? And that's good. Um, but we will never grow as God intends for us if we don't engage with these gifts and the role in the body of, that God has designed for us. So Jeremy led off with Paul's powerful statement in 12.1. He said, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So Paul is telling us that we are to offer our lives without restriction. And then he jumps into this short passage talking about practicing spiritual gifts. And he tells us to practice these gifts, but he doesn't give some specifics on how to. So why doesn't he give more details here? Well, maybe it seems like Paul assumes that these gifts are known and functioning in the church. Because ever since the beginning of the church, when they received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the church knew how essential the presence of the Holy Spirit was and the gifts that came with them. Now, there are varying view, views on spiritual gifts among Christians. You may have grown up in churches where the gifts were practiced consistently. Others may have never heard them even mentioned in your church. One of the things I love about Quest is we have people from all kinds of backgrounds, Catholic, Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Charismatic, and we have people who have no church background. We all may have different ways we've approached these gifts or seen them portrayed and have all sorts of different ideas about them. Today, we want to clarify some important principles Paul gives regarding spiritual gifts and the essential role they play in our lives. There are several lists of spiritual gifts described in the Bible and each list doesn't, none of the lists describe all the gifts, and these are just on your screen coming up here in a second. There's just a bunch of these that are highlighted, and, and if you look at these, there's a number of them that are highlighted and, and bold and, and uh, italicized, and those are listed in multiple places. But this isn't even a complete list of the gifts that the Bible talks about. So let's look at what Paul says about the gifts. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. In both Romans and Corinthians and Ephesians, the Greek word for gifts is charismata or charisma, from which the charismatic movement of the church in America is named. As part of the vineyard churches, our heritage has emphasized the spiritual gifts. Sakaris in Greek just simply means grace. Paul is saying we all have different charismata, meaning gifts of grace that God has given us. Spiritual gifts are free gifts of God's grace to us. They're not earned. They're given freely. And spiritual gifts could easily be defined this way. They are God's supernatural ability showing up in our lives in various ways. Tim Keller describes the gifts saying, gifts are abilities God gives us to meet the needs of others in Christ's name. 
And God is so generous to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, to give us his presence so that we can enjoy and experience and worship him. As Christians, the Holy Spirit is continually with us. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life. We as the church are a people marked by the presence of God. Paul says that this way in Corinthians, he says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Meaning, God wants to be known, and a major way he is known is through spiritual gifts. The gifts are, when they show up, it says, Paul is saying, are called manifestations. That's the term he's using for it. It's our invisible God's way of manifesting, of showing himself to be present and real in our lives and our world. The Holy Spirit gives these gifts to make God real and visible to us, to show his love for us through one another. Your Christian life will not really grow the way God designed it fully until you discover more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how he has gifted you and start operating and using them in your life. C.S. Lewis illustrates this in the Chronicles of Narnia this way. Remember the point where Father Christmas comes and gives the kids gifts related to the role they have in God's mission? If you recall, Lucy in that story was received the oil for healing. The point of that is God has given you a role in his kingdom. Now, you may ask, what's the difference between spiritual gifts and natural gifts and natural talents? Well, natural talents are physical abilities to do certain things, uh, maybe music or carpentry or having mechanical aptitude or artistic skills. You may have genetics for this, or you may have just been in a family to help support the development of these talents, or, or maybe you have a talent that nobody else in your family has, and God just kind of dropped it in your life. Spiritual gifts are spiritual abilities to do certain things. Now, natural gifts are often the vehicle through which spiritual gifts can be used, thereby amplifying the natural ability of us. But someone may have a spiritual gift of evangelism that is expressed through a natural talent of music, for example. So here's what James says about spiritual gifts. He says, we know that every good and perfect gift is from above. We can trust gifts from God, all gifts are from God. Some spiritual gifts are more permanent in nature in our lives, and some are more kind of transitory in the moment types of gifts, but they're all from God. So we just wanted to list a few of the gifts that Paul says right here in Romans. He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Prophecy just has a lot of different meanings, right? In, in scripture, sometimes we see it about predicting the future. Sometimes it's about speaking the very words of God or proclaiming God's word. Other times, prophecy means a word of encouragement or exhortation um, that the Holy Spirit gives you for someone else. Um, you may have a sense that God wants to communicate to someone a promise or a warning. You know, prophecy always needs to line up with the Bible. But it's this gift that is the most frequently repeated in all of the lists of the gifts. And it's highlighted by Paul as something that we should all seek. Well, Paul continues on with some more gifts. He says, if it is serving, then serve. You know, serving are, are those people that see tasks that need to be done or people to be served, and they just know how to meet people's needs. I, I love people with gifts of service. If it is teaching, then teach. Um, they love to gather information and communicate their understanding to others. They want to help explain truth and doctrine effectively. Um, if it is encouraged, then give encouragement. 
Other translations say exhortation, which is a calling people to obey and follow God. So people with this gift can be very motivating, a cheerleader or a persuader. Some will um, have a gift of giving and then give generously, Paul says. Now this giving gift isn't just for wealthy people who invest in God's kingdom. It's anyone who who spends their time trying to figure out how do we free up resources to benefit others beyond the type. And if it is to lead, then you should do it diligently. Leadership is this ability to cast vision, a gift to stimulate spiritual growth, apply strategies for God's purposes, or organize people around a mission. Paul says there's another one, to show mercy. And if you have that gift, to do it cheerfully. I mean, mercy is the gift of working with those who are physically, spiritually, emotionally, or maybe relationally are suffering. A person with mercy has this extra measure of gift of showing love, care, and compassion and kindness to others. So what's the gift or the gifts God has given you? I've heard people share many reasons why they don't personally experience any of the gifts of the Spirit mentioned in the Bible, especially some of them listed in 1 Corinthians. People may say, well, God doesn't use me to heal the sick. I don't give prophetic words. I have never had a word or a picture or a dream or a mental impression of someone the, the, about someone. I've not taught or felt the anointing of God as I speak to others. I, I've never participated in a miracle. Often... I might ask people who say those kinds of things this question, why do you think that is? Even though you're a Christian, why do you think you have not been used in this way that God talks about in these passages? And I've frequently heard people say, I don't know much about the Bible. So that's probably the reason I'm not, or that kind of stuff. I'm not spiritual enough. I I don't have a consistent enough quiet time. I, I sin way too much. Or some people say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm more logical and analytical. I'm not emotional and touchy-feely enough like that has to, you know, some kind of criteria to be get a, able to get a spiritual gift as being touchy and feely. Yeah, you're not touchy-feely. No, I'm not touchy-feely. Do any of you feel that way? Have any of you ever used any of those excuses? Biblically, those are not accurate. The reason you may not be functioning in the gifts is not because you are too messed up from your past. It's not that your personality is not right. It's not that your sin is keeping you from receiving a gift. We're all messed up. Spiritual gifts are not merit badges. They are not earned like Boy Scouts earn patches. We don't earn the ability to heal the sick by being moral people or doing better spiritual deeds. Spiritual gifts are gifts. They're expressions of God's grace for us to help each other. See, the main issue behind not experiencing God working through us with spiritual gifts is we don't grasp the grace of God. If we don't get God's grace... If we don't understand that Jesus paid it all, that God doesn't look at any of us thinking, do they deserve this? Did they earn this gift? He doesn't do that. If we don't realize that God can use anyone he wants, including me, for any gift, miracle, prophetic word, we'll never get the joy of following Jesus and taking our role that he has for us in understanding and living in these gifts. Just like salvation does not come to those who earn it, spiritual gifts are gifts. We are all on the same level playing field. 
No one is ahead of anyone else. God gives salvation and gifts not based upon our socioeconomic status, educational status, our social skills, our race, or how moral we are. All of these distinctions are eliminated in Christ. We are all equally qualified to receive God's gifts for ourselves and for others. The Holy Spirit wants to burst through and give these signs of who God is simply because God loves to give. Is that how you see God? As one who loves to give gifts? Or do you see him as a little more cautious and resistant and closed-handed and stingy? God is so generous that he gives spiritual gifts to people who don't even acknowledge him. He gives spiritual gifts to, to Christians who don't even believe in spiritual gifts. God is so generous that he gives gifts to people who misuse them. Because many of us have seen this in the church. We wonder why, how someone who has some real character flaws, yet they're still so gifted in preaching. And we think, well, why would God give them a spiritual gift to that person? But that is just how generous God is. Because, again, every good and perfect gift is from above. You know, the Corinthian church, they knew so well um, what misused spiritual gifts were like. There was immorality and divisiveness. It was just rampant in that church. And I just think it's so interesting that Paul doesn't tell them to stop using the gifts. In fact, Paul tells them to seek even more of the gifts, to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, he tells them. So which leads us to know that spiritual gifts are not the best sign of spiritual maturity. You know, if someone has a gift of healing or prophetic... Um, Christ-like maturity is primarily seen in us through the fruit of the Spirit, right? Like love and patience and kindness, self-control. It's not by the presence of spiritual gifts. God is so generous. He gives gifts to those of us who are spiritually immature. And I love Paul's favorite. He has this favorite analogy for the church. It's the body, right? And, and he uses that when he talks about the gifts. And it's just like each part of the body is important. Each gift is so very important. God intentionally set it up for us to need one another and the gifts that you and I have because we need each other. We are incomplete without deep and meaningful involvement in the body of Jesus Christ, the church. So the future that Paul is letting us know in this analogy is that when we're disconnected from the body, we are going to shrivel up and die when we're not connected to the body as Christ calls us to. So do you remember what Peter said? He, was, he said, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, who does Satan um, prowl around like a lion waiting to devour? Um, well, in every Discovery episode I've ever seen, the lion always attacks the one who's on the inside or the outside of the pack. Definitely the outside one, the one that's isolated from the others. So similarly, those who think, like, maybe I don't need the gifts of the spiritual gifts that other people I don't need them in my life. I'm pretty capable. I can make it through my life on, I, on my own. I would just say that's an incredibly dangerous path to take. Because basically what you're saying is like, I don't, I don't need God. And you assume like, if I'm given enough time and I have the energy, I'm going to be able to make life work on my own. And that's concerning because it, that's really not what it means to have, to submit your life to God, to be a living sacrifice. There is not one of us that is so, inc so incredibly competent that we don't need God and all of us as church. 
So how do I know my gifts? Jeremy suggested using a spiritual gift assessment. That's great. It, it, it helps identify various kinds of gifts, including natural talents, letting you know more deeply the role you play in God's kingdom, and therefore you can focus on things he wants you to focus on. That's fantastic. It may also be helpful to use this diagram. The, the spiritual gifts are at the center of your ability of what you are good at. Now, this is going to highlight what your natural talents and motivational gifts God gives you might be. But there's also the affinity circle, what you love, what are you passionate about, what needs are you drawn to, what kind of ministry feels satisfying to you. And then there's the affirmation, what others affirm, where people affirm that say, you, when you do this, God is using you in my life. Where do people say that about your life? If you don't know your gift, that's okay. Gifts are discovered through serving. Just start being the body of Christ to one another, serving each other and serving people in, your, in the community and giving of yourself in God's name, and you will discover your gifts. Now, the absence of a certain gift doesn't mean we don't do them either. Just because you may not have the gift of evangelism, we're still all supposed to use our voices to share our faith with other people and help lead people to Christ. Just because you may not have the gift of giving or serving or intercession doesn't mean we don't do those things. We just may not do it as easily as someone or maybe even as effectively as someone who has that additional spiritual gift, that additional grace in their lives. God will also give us gifts in areas we don't have any natural abilities and giftings in. Paul actually encourages us to pursue gifts that we, and, and desire the ones that we don't actually have and experience right now. Paul tells us that is not only biblical, but he almost says it in a command like it's mandatory. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So we are to be hungry for the gifts. And it reminds me of Ross because a couple um, went to New Orleans a couple weeks ago, and it has led Ross to reminisce over and over again about this Cajun mm -hmm. shrimp that he had had in the French Quarter 30 years ago. Shrimp, yeah. seven different oh, Cajun gosh. ways. It was a plate this big. It was piled that high. And then there were two or three bowls of, oh, it was just. Yeah. And Wendy wouldn't even let me go back a second time because she yeah. thought the restaurant was dirty. Yeah, anyway. Well, he would travel to New Orleans just for that meal. Um, and, and it just it gives me just an example of how much he hungers and has this appetite for this Cajun shrimp. And that's what Paul is telling us, that we are supposed to have this appetite for the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us may never have had or tasted or developed an appetite for the Holy Spirit, but we're told that we're supposed to develop it, get a hunger for it. So just ask God for more of a hunger. Because what Paul is saying is, is we can't just take a passive approach to spiritual gifts and say, well, God, you just give me whatever you want and I'll just receive it. No, we are supposed to hunger and pursue it. Just like Moses, he was not satisfied with his experience with God. Do you remember that time when he said, I want more, I want to see God's glory, and he wouldn't leave? Elisha, he wouldn't leave Elijah's side, so he wouldn't miss out on the gifts and the power that Elijah had when God was going to take him into heaven. Peter and John, they experienced the gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, and they kept pursuing God for more and more boldness and more miracles. Paul says that we are supposed to be hungry for the gifts. And to be hungry is not self-centered. It is a godly desire to want to see people encouraged and healed. And so yesterday, our family, along with a bunch of other people at Quest, 
went to go hear Randy Clark, who has been following Jesus for over 50 years and whom God has given these amazing gifts of healing and the prophetic. So Randy was talking about in one of the sessions where, you know, even though he had seen in his life amazing miracles, there was this time where he just wasn't seeing much in his life. And so, um, so he was just pretty disappointed. So he, he, he was just like, what are you supposed to do? Anyway, he learned that one of the things that we can do if we are frustrated about not seeing the gifts or discouraged that we haven't been seeing them, he says, take that frustration and push it into a hunger. Um, you know, I mean, that's what I want for all of us, right? There are people within our body that are hurting, that need healing, that need hope. And, you know, how do we help and engage more in the gifts to see those things change? Yeah. In Acts 2, the church bursts onto the scene literally by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter, moved by the Holy Spirit, quotes the prophet Joel, saying, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So all of us old men, we're going to take naps and we're going to have great dreams. But seriously, whenever we see God repeat himself, it's really important. God promised to pour out the Spirit on all people, and they will prophesy, it says. They'll speak the words of God to each other, knowing that they're the words of God. Paul highlights prophecy in several places. Prophecy is a gift seen throughout the Bible. Basically, prophecy is God using ordinary people like you and me to speak to other people on his behalf, to let them know God loves them and is thinking about them. We see prophecy as a crucial part of the beginning of the church. And later Paul talks to the church at Thessalonica and he tells them this. He says, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good. Some of you may have grown up in a church tradition where God that, that, that believed God was silent and doesn't speak through prophecy in this way. You, can't, you couldn't hear him or communicate with him in that way. Yet Paul said to the early church living in a very dark time, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies. Paul says don't get a cold heart towards these gifts. Even more, he says, actually stir them up. Do something to stir them up and make room for them. Create intentional pursuit of them and test everything. We're not always going to get it right. Mm -hmm. So test everything. Put the test of the Bible. Put it to the test of other Christians in your life saying, does this seem like this is the Holy Spirit? And hold on to what is good and let go of what is just kind of mixed and doesn't need to be paid attention to. Most, if not all of us, have seen prophecy misused. Like any spiritual gift, it can be used for glorifying man or God. Some of you may have had a bad experience with the prophetic. Paul is saying, don't let this keep you from experiencing the good things the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Um, I was given a, one doozy of a prophetic word when Ross and I were just dating and we were getting pretty serious. So we were seeking this feedback from friends and family and we were pursuing some professional premarital counseling. And all the feedback that we were getting was very positive. It was support of our relationship and the timing of things. Except for one person that I reached out to. Reach out to. She was considered a, pro a prophet in the church that I had attended. Now she had met Ross once 
And then she shared with me this word that she said that, you know, Ross is going to be the spiritual death of you. Fun word, huh? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I you know I'm 20 years old at that time. And I was new to the prophetic stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I respected her. I, I prayed. It caused me to pause. Um, but, and it put a glitch in our relationship mm-hmm. for sure because it just came, you know, I just didn't know prophetic word. Um, yet her word didn't match up with what others were telling her and what my heart was saying and what I was praying. And years later, I found out at that time that she was in a major moral issue. So she was definitely a gifted woman. Um, but sin just has a way, right, of hardening our hearts that can make it difficult for us to hear God accurately. So I, I think she was wrong. <laughs> so anyway, um, But despite that rocky start regarding the prophetic, I would say that I can see why Paul says, above all else, desire and grow in prophecy. Because the gift of prophecy, this gift of hearing God through others, it has saved my life. It has saved our marriage. It has greatly affected how we've parented. It has caused me to become friends with people that I would never have had a relationship with. And I agree. I could not imagine living life where God does not speak to his people personally and through us for others. I know those are big statements, but the Bible is the foundation from which every prophetic word is tested. And the Bible says for us to expect these gifts in our lives and pursue them and desire them. And once tested, there have been numerous words God has used that have stabilized my life, our lives together. I know we've talked about, for example, the prophetic dreams that God gave us about God's heart for quest that led us from Oregon to here years ago that have continued to stabilize us for 13 years. I am so grateful for God's gifts, especially the prophetic. The prophetic is for big things, and it's also for little things as well. Yeah. Um, Prophecy, it it is. It's such an incredible gift for big and small things. Um, at yesterday's conference, you know, we heard this story of a huge prophecy that Randy Clark had for Heidi Baker. I don't know how many of you know about her, but Randy had met Heidi and her husband. And they were at a conference because the Bakers had just returned from, they were on the mission field in Mozambique, and they were burned out. Because they, they had been working with orphans, many of whom were living in the garbage dumps. Because um, Mozambique is one of the most poor countries in the world. Um, And all the while, they were having to deal with threats that came from rebel fighters. So this was just not an easy calling, right? They were burned out, and Heidi went for prayer. And Randy Clark felt inspired by God to ask her, Do you want the nation of Mozambique? And she said, Yes. And then Randy prophesied, Well, then the blind will see, the cripple will walk, the deaf will hear, the dead will be raised, and multitudes will come to Jesus. I mean, that's a big prophecy, right? Heidi had this huge encounter with Jesus. So the bakers then, afterwards, they went and they returned back to Mozambique. And you'd think that after a word like that, things are going to snap into shape, right? No. The first 18 months that they got back were incredibly difficult. That word was tested. She was diagnosed with a severe illness. Um, The rest of her family, her husband and two kids, they all experienced having malaria more than once. Nearly all of their funding, about a million dollars, was taken away. And yet it was this prophetic word that, and the experience that they had with God that kept them stable. So in 20 years later, the fruit is that they've started over 10,000 churches um, with thousands and thousands coming to faith. They have compiled testimonies of 450 people who have been raised from the dead. That entire country has been majorly impacted. 
And um, one of our couple friends from Oklahoma, they have gone first, they have gone um, to be with Heidi and Baker to work with her for a while. And they could, they didn't see any of the people raised from the dead, which I would so love to see. Um, but, but they had seen other miracles. That is an example of God, a big word speaking to you. But God does love these small words too that are more personal of our daily lives. So in closing, I just want to take us a few of those ways of looking at how God speaks in small ways by answering this question, how do we grow in the prophetic? Well, since spiritual gifts don't come ready to operate perfectly, right, it takes time for gifts to mature and develop in their effectiveness in our lives. Paul tells us in Romans that every believer is obligated to mature in his or her own gifts with each other. So we just have to keep practicing So maybe this question is something that will help you this week to help grow in the prophetic. What would happen if you asked the Holy Spirit into every conversation this next week? Before you eat dinner with your friends or family, or before you welcome your kids home from school, or before you have a conversation with your boss or with a coworker, what would it be like if you welcomed the power of the Holy Spirit into every conversation? What do you think would change? I... I know I would be less cranky, but (laughs) probably or hopefully. Um, After inviting the Holy Spirit into your conversation, though, ask God a few questions. Ask him, like, is there something, God, that you would like to say to help strengthen this person, to keep them them going? Because many people are down. They're depressed. They, They may be ready to give up, but yet they don't tell anybody. They may look to put together on the outside, right? But it's only the Holy Spirit that really knows what's going on inside their heart. So ask God, is there something that I can say today that will give them hope for another day? Um, You may not get anything. Or you may get something really simple. And it might be something simple as, God loves you. You may just sense this overwhelming love that God has for them. But you're thinking, well, that's silly because everybody knows that God loves them. No, they don't. (laughs) You can say something like, well, you may already know this. Or I know this may sound simplistic, but I just want to say something feel like God really wants you to know that he loves you. I remember being in college and sitting in a conference and there, there was a speaker and he paused this message and he pointed his finger at me and he said in front of everybody, you may be a worm, but you're God's worm. <laughs> and I just was like, that wasn't even in the context of what you're talking about. And I would normally be mortified because I don't like to stand out or be that Um, But instead of being mortified, I experienced this profound sense of God's love, that he saw me. And it has been, even though it was awkward, it was a word that has stabilized me for decades. So as you practice, even if it's awkward, God can still use it. So just keep practicing that gift together. Um, A great place to practice is in small groups. Sharon Kissel, who's in front row, Sharon, she's going to be leading this group of Kingdom Citizenship. She has done so many groups on how to help us to practice on listening to the Holy Spirit. So she's starting this new group on September 12th, and there's going to be times that she's going to practice the gifts like prophecy and other ones, but she does it in a very simple and non-threatening way. I took this class, and I loved it. I was so touched by how God spoke through everybody in the class in just unique and different ways for one another. It was so life-building. So practice with your small group, practice with your friends, practice with family. Because another thing that practicing the prophetic or listening for God's voice, it it can help us to know what to do. It can give clarity and direction. Um, Because, you know, we long to hear God's voice and we doubt our ability to do so. 
But when we're in community, it can encourage us like, yeah, that's right, you are hearing that, or gosh, I, that seems odd. But we can confirm to one another what we're sense we're hearing. Um, two weeks ago, I was trying to make a big decision on some, getting some more education, and there was two different paths that I could take in training, and there was a, a big cost and a commitment on both paths. So I was doing what I know clinically to do. I was writing out my pros and cons and feeling what it was like to be in each position, blah, blah, blah. And, um, but I wasn't getting any clarity on what to do. And during this time, I experienced a, a, a prayer time where in my mind, I just saw myself in this um, a really big, thick coat, like a coal miner's coat. And it was really dirty. It was frayed. And it was ripped. I just, And it was very ill-fitting for me. And then in my mind's eye, I just saw this coat being taken off and I was put into a different outfit that was just really flowing and lot it was just effortless and it was really comfortable to wear it fit me and so I had shared this um, little image with my daughter you know and um and she connected the dots for me that I hadn't seen and so she very nonchalantly but prophetically said well mom God's letting you know that you're not supposed to take this particular path of training because that's going to be where you're wearing the same old coat that you don't want to wear anymore it doesn't fit you anymore. You're supposed to do something different, something that really fits you. And then I'm like, oh, well, that's obvious now that you say it, you know. <laughs> like, I don't know. Do you ever get, like, so you can't see the, is it the forest for the trees thing? That's what I can do. And I think that's what a lot of us can do. We're not really understanding, and that's what we can help with one another. So let's regularly ask God for words, impressions, not just for ourselves, but for all those around us. Allowing these words to help bring a stabilization, to help us to stabilize more in our lives. So I guess how I would encourage you to walk out this week, well, you may want to sign up for Sharon's class that starts in a few weeks. Again, invite the Holy Spirit into all those conversations. Ask Him for those words um, of encouragement for one another. And then maybe take some time to think of one person in your life. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's someone who's far from God. And ask God for a word or a picture or an impression. Something that God's going to encourage, would want to encourage them with. And then I want you to risk sharing that. Um, you can let them know that you're practicing it and you may not be right. But gosh, what's the worst thing that's going to come from them knowing that you were thinking and praying about them? So um, I would like us to pray. So if you would, I... I don't like to be too pushy about this, but I think there's sometimes there's an importance of like what we do with our bodies. So if you feel comfortable, I'd encourage you to just maybe lay out your hands open because what we're going to what we're asking is we want our bodies to maybe reflect what our minds and hearts want. We know that we can't make these gifts happen and that we need God to be able to do that. So let's just pray. Father, we are open to you and we want all the gifts that you want to stir up in us so lord we come with open hands open heart and we ask that you would stir and that you would bring forth all the things you're wanting to do in this body i bless each person with a, a deeper awareness of how you are are living and breathing and working within hmm, within each person Lord, stir up your gifts. I bless them. I bless them in the precious name of Jesus Christ. How great is our God. I think some of us struggle with prophecy and the gifts because we go, how in the world, how in the world could I ever speak for God? We think that's presumptuous. 
The only presumptuous thing in speaking for God is if you think you're ever going to do it perfectly. But it is sin to not believe that God can gift you to speak for him to others. So can we adjust that? It's not noble or good to say, I'm not God, I can't speak for God. It's noble and good to say, I may not be able to speak perfectly for God, but I know God wants to gift me to speak for him. That's what noble is. That's what's biblical. So as we go this week, I just want to release that gift of the Spirit in our body among us, that we would learn to sense God's presence. We would learn to hear his voice. We would learn to see what he is doing, and we would do it with him. In all humility, knowing we're never going to be perfect. So we never go to someone and say, thus saith the Lord. We go and say, I think God might be speaking to me. Let's see if he wants to confirm it for you. That's one of the reasons we try to do prayer at the end of our services. And why I don't always say just come on down front, although prayer team, come on down front. We're going to have people down here. We had, we had the gift of prophecy going between services, and some people were tremendously touched today by God speaking to them in ways they would never have believed possible. But the point is God wants to do it among you. That's the reason I say if you've got something for, that you want prayer for, turn to a friend. Ask them right now as we close the service to pray for you. And they may not even realize it. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for people and I never even realized God was speaking to me until afterwards they come to me and say, you read my mail. And I'm going, all I did was pray. But God helped me choose the words that made the words line up with their exact thoughts and their exact questions. God is in the business of doing stuff like that. But he won't do it unless we give him opportunity to do it. We have to make room. That's what stirring up the gifts is all about. We make room for God. So I hope that every Sunday we walk out of this place, before we walk out of this place, we give God that opportunity by praying for one another. If you need healing, if you have a decision you're facing, if there's a problem you're facing, if there's just confusion in something, if you just need more of the Holy Spirit because you're feeling depressed or anxious or, or down, let God show up in this space for you by turning to one another and lets us become God's vessels of these gifts to one another. We do receive an offering at the end of service. You can give in a couple different ways. You give checks and cash if you're here in person. We have boxes hung by each one of the doors. You can also see on the screen ways to worship God with your giving as well. And just to simply say, God, thank you for being so generous to me. I'm going to give back to your work. That's what our worship of giving is, is that idea. So, Lord, I just bless the work of your spirit among us. We ask, Lord, that for all of us, would you just, would you just turn your hearts to him and say, God, give me an appropriate hunger for your gifts. Just say it in your own way. Give me an appropriate hunger. If you're afraid that you're going to desire it too much, just say, God, give me an appropriate hunger for your gifts and help me to learn to receive your gifts for myself and for others. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a great week. 
We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.